Hello, friends of Soul Kitchen. Thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Jasper Mutsaerts. I'm an entrepreneur, adventurer, coach, and wisdom seeker. With Soul Kitchen, I interview people that inspire me. From TED speakers to social entrepreneurs, from activists to artists, from dreamers to seekers, from business people to spiritual teachers. With Soul Kitchen, I empower people to live their quest. And each episode contains a recipe for life. What is your quest? Hello, friends of uh, Soul Kitchen. Welcome to episode 61 of this podcast. This episode will be on living the nomadic life. I'm calling in from Buenos Aires today, where I'm uh, yeah, sp- spending some time. I'm here for a few weeks. I really love this city because um, yeah, in 2008, I was an exchange student. I was living in Buenos Aires for six months. I had the time of my life. I was 21 years old. And it's really good to uh, yeah, to be back in this city. I love the, the people, the food, the tango, the passion during the soccer games. Yeah, it's just a fascinating place. I'm staying in Palermo. Palermo is a little bubble in uh, Buenos Aires with a lot of nice restaurants and, uh, and bars. But this Sunday, in two days, I'm leaving. I'm going to uh, Rio de Janeiro to um, celebrate Carnival there. So I think today, after this episode, I will still take the tourist bus to explore uh, yeah, Buenos Aires a little bit. Sometimes I like to take these tourist buses because they obviously they're a little bit touristy, but they give you a good overview of the city. So yeah, before I'm leaving, I still want to do that. So in today's episode, yeah, why am I doing this episode? Recently on Instagram, I shared a poll with four options for episodes. So one, uh, living the nomadic life, uh, two, the path of sobriety, three, time and how to spend it, and four, six recipes from uh, from visionaries, from 50 visionaries that I've interviewed. But you guys uh, uh, gave the most votes to living the nomad life, so that's why I'm doing this episode. I will discuss seven things. So first, a bit the context of nomadism. Two, why I decided to live the nomad life. Three, I will share a bit about my journey. Four, I will discuss the pros and cons of a nomad life versus a sedentary life. Uh, Five, I will give a few uh, tips and tricks. And then six, I will share a few lessons learned. So there are some practical uh, insights. I think this episode is interesting for people that live a nomadic lifestyle, that consider moving towards a nomadic lifestyle, or also for people that live a sedentary lifestyle but are curious about uh, the nomad lifestyle. Let's start a bit with the context. If you look at human history, uh, the nomadic lifestyle is actually uh, a mainstream thing because for 98% of human history, we have been living nomadic lifestyles. And it's actually only the last 2% of human history we've mainly shifted towards a sedentary lifestyle. And this is driven by two factors. So first, the rise of agriculture, where people have to be in one place. And two, the cultural shift towards the domestication of animals. So in the past, animals were were living wildly. But at some point, as humans, we started to to own uh, these animals. So only for the last 2%, uh, we've been living sedentary lifestyles. And I think this is quite fascinating because sometimes uh, when I tell people I live a nomad life, they look at me as if I come from another planet. 
but actually if you look at human history yeah it's the the common thing uh, to do now currently i think there's about 8 billion people uh, i didn't check the, the latest stats but i think it's about 8 billion and 99.5 percent are living a sedentary lifestyle that means staying in one place most of the time and 0.5 percent of the people are living a nomadic lifestyle uh, so that means there's 40 million nomads uh, in total and they consist of three types of groups so one is uh, nomadic communities that travel as a community for instance like the roma people um, the second group is digital nomads people that leverage technology to work from anywhere and the third group i would say is the global elite uh, diplomats presidents you know people that go to conferences like the world economic forum i really would call it the global elite and um, if you look at digital nomads um, this concept has also been popularized by uh, tim ferris in his book the four hour work week it also inspired me 10 years ago he talks about the new rich whereas the old rich means people with money but the new rich means people with uh, time and geographic flexibility so people can decide about their own time and, and where they are geographically uh, for me that was also uh, my definition of success 10 years ago when i started my journey as an entrepreneur i was like at some point i want to decide about my own time and about my geographical uh, location um, yeah so this is a bit of the, the the context and then in the past for instance in the 1960s or the 1970s nomadism was seen a bit uh, as a hippie uh, thing and in the past it has also been a bit for rebels like in the 12th century you had the mongols that built a huge empire but they were nomadic and sedentary people they felt that nomadic people are a bit rebels you know who are those people where do they belong because once you live a sedentary life you have a different view on ownership of property um and also on certain cultural norms so you feel like oh we own this place and then the people that live nomadic they're a bit strange you know whereas more in human history in the past everyone lived nomadic so there was a different sense of ownership if you see my point um so it was seen a bit as a hippie thing also in the 1960s you, i mean you had the beat culture with jack kerouac i read the book uh, on the road and they were seen a bit as enlightened rebels that were against the mainstream culture nowadays it has shifted a bit also because of social media and instagram fan life has become popular uh, digital nomadism has become more popular and it's also seen as a bit of a status symbol when you can freely uh, move and of course COVID has accelerated uh, this trend it has become more accepted if you want to know more about nomadism there's two books that i can recommend first is the ancient origins of the new nomads and two, the new nomads, how the migration movement is making the world a better place. Anyway, so this is a bit of a context of nomadism. So to summarize, for 98% of history, we've been living nomadic. Only in the most recent 2%, we've been more sedentary. And at this moment, 0.5% lives nomadic, which is 40 million people. And uh, yeah, we have the global elite, the digital nomads, and subcultures like the Romani. So, why have I decided uh, to live a uh, nomadic life? I think, for instance, when I was uh, 23, I was living in India. I was uh, doing an internship in Delhi. 
And at some point we had a long weekend where we went skiing in Kashmir. And there I met people, I call them seasonality people that live for six months in India and six months in Spain. And I was like, oh, that's so inspiring. You can do that as well. Because everyone uh, in my family or from my background uh, lives a sedentary life. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a sedentary life, but I, I don't have any role models that live nomadic or that live more of a seasonality life. But when they told me that, like, oh, that's so inspiring. That's how I want to live in the, in the future. But at that time, I didn't know yet about digital nomad uh, options. Um, so, yeah. And then at some point, I read uh, the four-hour work week of Tim Ferriss, and it really inspired me. Like, ah, oh, I want to have geographic uh, flexibility. But at some point, I started my own business in Amsterdam. I had employees, I had investors, I had an office. So it was difficult uh, to leave. At some point, I had a relationship. Um, uh, with someone we were also living together so then it was difficult to leave uh, my grandmother was old she was still alive it was hard to leave her and then of course there's also societal expectations that maybe at some point you settle down right there's this big uh, societal focus on settling down uh, i discussed this topic also with other people in my uh, my podcast but in my early 30s uh, my relationship finished i was in the wrong relationship uh, wrong, wrong situation or I mean it was not not right for me uh, I was a bit at the end of an inspiration cycle in my own business um, many of my friends were moving out of Amsterdam and the places they moved to of course I respect uh, their decisions but I, I realized the places they move moved to are not places that I see myself living so basically it was a bit of an end of a chapter for me I felt Amsterdam was coming to an end um, Next to that, I was having some unhealthy habits, uh, drinking too much alcohol, drinking too much coffee, working too much. And even though I, I tried to change, I really felt that maybe a change of scenery uh, would be great for me. So for instance, maybe living more in nature. Then also, I wanted to deepen uh, my spirituality. I got in touch with breathwork, meditation, and tantra. And in my environment in Amsterdam, people were not so used to those things. So I wanted to wanted time to deepen my spiritual quest. And I also wanted to go to Tanzania. This is the place where my parents live when I was younger. And unfortunately, uh, my mother passed away there due to a car accident uh, when I was one year old. And uh, I wanted time yeah, to go there and also to process uh, the fact that I've never known my mom. And I also started reading uh, about things that when you have addictive behaviors, it's often because there is an unprocessed uh, trauma uh, below it. Um, so yeah, I started to become more and more interested in, in these topics. I was still nail biting a lot at the time. Um, so yeah, all these things, I don't know, I wanted, I really wanted to change. And I also had, had done therapy. And during therapy, it became clearer that I wanted to go back to uh, Tanzania. And uh, I met someone because initially I wanted to do a project in Tanzania, like a work project. I was talking to someone and she said, oh, Jasper, you connect everything to work. You connect everything to work. Why don't you just go to Tanzania? You don't have to work there. Just take, take time off and go there. So that was really insightful for me. Um, and also I wanted to let go a bit of my identity, my identity of an entrepreneur in Amsterdam. I used to know a lot of people there you know, networking, going to parties, going to things. I always got invited for many things. 
but honestly i was a bit tired also of like you know always being everywhere knowing everyone so i really want to let go a bit of my identity of an entrepreneur in amsterdam and someone that knows everyone there at some point i was like you know amsterdam is not my place anymore i'm losing myself a bit in this place because i always wanted to be an international person and now i'm still in amsterdam so i think it became clear to me that i really wanted a change sometimes people say you need to rock bottom uh, before you change i don't know if i was rock bottom i think that is an extreme but to an extent i was frustrated that i wanted to make certain changes in my life that that i was not realizing and then of course i was in this pattern that every friday and saturday there were parties drinking and then hangover in the weekend and at some point i realized you know i want to change this and of course theoretically i could change it by staying in amsterdam but it's going to be difficult so i think it will be easier uh, to change this uh, when i make the geographical shift uh, so these were the reasons for me um, why i wanted to yeah, live a nomadic life and uh, i was inspired by elizabeth gilbert and her book eat pray love i think you know it so eating was about so she spent one year abroad four months in italy that was the eating then four months in india that was the praying and then four months in indonesia that was the loving i really liked that book i like that she chose different geographies and different themes so for me i decided I would love to go to Tanzania for emotional healing of, let's say, my mother wound. I would like to go to Costa Rica to live in a spiritual community in the jungle uh, called Pachamama. I would love to go to California because I like the innovation, the entrepreneurship part of it. And I would like to go to Japan because Japan, I don't know, it's something different. It was still on my list. In the meantime, I mean, my journey has gone a bit differently, but yeah, Japan is still on my list. So those were kind of the reasons um, why I um, yeah, wanted to, to live the nomadic life. Why am I sharing those? I think if you're listening to this and you're, you're in a position where you want to make a certain change, I think a geographical shift can really help you. I mean, it really helped me. Um, yeah, so that's, that's also maybe something that you can consider. So... If we talk a bit about my journey, so I started in Tanzania. I spent there four months, um, first in Zanzibar, diving. Funnily enough, I met someone online and um, she decided to visit me. So at the beginning of my journey, I had kind of a two-week honeymoon <laughs> with someone I didn't know. I will not mention her name, but it was definitely a funny, uh, funny experience. So, and then, I stayed six weeks in the Tanzanian family. I learned some, some Swahili and it was a beautiful experience. Of course, sometimes it was lonely because I was in Tanzania and I was like, okay, what am I actually doing here? You know, when you go on a road trip, uh, it sounds amazing, but then you're sitting there and yeah, it's like, oh, what am I doing here? It was COVID. There were not so many like-minded uh, people. Um, so yeah, it was also tough sometimes, but I spent six weeks in the family and um, later I went to Southwest Tanzania where I visited the hospital uh, where my parents have worked uh, in, in, in the past. And I also visited the place of the, um, uh, the car accident uh, where my mother passed away. And uh, during that journey, I met people that um, 
uh, knew about the story of my mom and they they said to me uh, why don't we do a ceremony uh, in that village uh, where your mom passed away so i really liked the idea and they also said maybe you can give some money so i gave one million tanzanian shilling which is 500 dollars and 50 percent was spent on books and pens uh, so i gave books and pens to the community and 50 percent was spent on um, um on beer for the for the locals so we had a ceremony where everyone was dancing and singing and clapping for me which was um which was yeah very wonderful and they were saying paula sana paula sana i'm sorry yeah which was a very special um uh, experience because i never had people coming to me uh, like that so yeah i think tanzania it brought me a lot um i went there without a plan but like step by step i followed my intuition i met those people who knew about the story uh, i visited the hospital where my parents lived i visited another hospital they're very respectful for me um, i was staying in the doctor so in tanzania the religion and healthcare they're very much connected so religious institutions uh, they create churches there but they also create hospitals so the the chief of the hospital is also the chief of the church so on a friday night i was invited to the house of the the doctor and then everyone was having drinks there and then we went to a party and i think he was chasing a girl in the bar and we came home three o'clock then six o'clock we had to wake up and we had to attend uh, his, his seminar in the church and then he suddenly was a priest so that was a bit funny but yeah that was the tanzanian experience i think in hindsight it has helped me a lot after that ceremony i quit nail biting so it was an important process uh, for me and um yeah i would recommend anyone if there's something that you still want to process you know to take the time for it in western society we're so brainwashed to always be productive to always keep going so when i told also my family that I was going maybe on this trip maybe they were a bit surprised don't you need to save for a house later but i think this story you know that you always need to work and save maybe to buy a house later it also prevents you from yeah you know, from taking time for other things so that was my tanzanian experience in a nutshell and then i received a message from my dad that uh, a friend of my parents he's in the advisory board of uh, earth charter international it's an organization uh, headquartered in costa rica at the university for peace in costa rica and it's a special organization it was founded by uh, uh, gorbachev the former russian president and uh, ruud lubbers the former prime minister of, of the netherlands and he had heard from my parents that i was going to costa rica and then he said oh why don't you do a project here because they needed some support in uh, in business strategy in trying to see whether we could uh, make the, the organization more financially sustainable so it was completely unexpected because i didn't expect to do a project but i decided to go for it and that's for me also the beauty of the nomadic life that you are more geographically flexible and also when once you communicate that with the world opportunities can come to you because people know ah jasper is on an adventure he might be uh, free so after tanzania i went back to the netherlands for a little bit then moved to costa rica i lived in uh, in a forest every day i had to walk 30 minutes uh, to the university for peace 
it's a place with 150 students this phenomenal phenomenal location and um, yeah i did a four-month project with earth charter international which was a beautiful learning opportunity working in latin america uh, working with an ngo that is so different from the corporate world or from the startup world i learned a lot there i also realized that uh, working at an ngo is not necessarily for me i like to work more in a, let's say a fast-paced uh, creative environment So that was Earth Charter, and after Earth Charter, I spent two months in Pachamama. Pachamama is a, a spiritual community in Costa Rica, which was founded by a former Israeli trans DJ. He's called Tiohar. And after high school, he, he spent a few years in the Israeli army, and then spent some time in India with Osho, uh, studying meditation and um, yeah, uh, yeah, studying with Osho, and. At some point, he wanted to set up his own community. So I went to Costa Rica, uh, bought a big piece of land, and he created this community. There's around 150 people living there. I think 70 or 80 live there permanently, and then 70 or 80 are visiting. And as a visitor, you can choose between volunteering or you can pay and participate in uh, programs. They have a flagship program, which is called the Transformation Cycle. It's a five-week program that I signed up for. And it interested me because, as I mentioned earlier, I was looking for some transformation. I wanted to have more healthy habits. Uh, I wanted to work less, uh, live healthier, and also get inspired in another type of environment. Like, who am I when I let go of my identity? Then at Pachamama, there's a one-hour silent meditation every day. Um, there, they have psychedelic music journeys, uh, which are incredible. Um, so you dance with 150 people in the jungle around the fire and with, with certain uh, psychedelics or medicine, yeah, you, you really go through deep emotional processes. It was really a place for me where I let go of a lot of tears and um, yeah, it was a very healing experience for me. And in the transformation cycle, you had a six-day silence, you had a six-day body cleanse, we had three days of breath work, we had a Who Am I uh, training where you keep thinking about the question, who am I, who am I? Uh, so yeah, it was a wonderful uh, experience. And I met also some other people that have lived in Europe and have lived in North America, but that also wanted a bit of a change in life. So it really brought up my perspective on life. And I also met a person called Tucker Walsh, and he has been um, uh, living in, uh, in 20 communities worldwide and also researching different types of communities from spiritual communities to agricultural communities to regenerative communities so it really opened up a whole new world and um, yeah after pachamama i've also been engaging with with different communities so i spent some time in Engsbeka in sweden uh, where they have meditation festivals yoga tantra no mind festivals it's a wonderful community in uh, in sweden i spent one month living with innate Innate is a uh, community focused on uh, conscious entrepreneurs. 
where you can co-live and co-work in nature, supported by a daily morning practice. Uh, I chose the, yeah, the breathwork theme. I spent a month with Mind Valley in Estonia. Mind Valley is an online platform for personal development. Um, recently, I spent like a month with the Nomad Cruise community. I went on an Antarctica expedition. And um, yeah, many people of this community are now in Buenos Aires. And we're also going to Rio de Janeiro together. So definitely, yeah, I spent some time living in different communities. I lived in the Sachawasi community in Ecuador. It's an uh, ayahuasca community. So by living in Pachamama, this idea of community living opened up to me. Also, when you're single, I mean, when you have, let's say, a relationship with someone and you live together, it's different than when you're single. It can also be quite lonely. So the disadvantage of being a nomad is that, yeah, life, life can be lonely. So if you live in communities, I think it can be, can be really great. I also went to Envision Festival in Costa Rica, spent some time with Awake Ubita. So yeah, I've been living in different uh, yeah, community experiences. And inspired by all these community experiences, I'm now creating, I feel it's time to give back. So with Soul Kitchen, I'm creating my own, um, yeah, my own community, so to say. So this has a bit my journey. So I started in Tanzania. I worked with Earth Charter in Costa Rica, lived in Pachamama. I spent some time on the Caribbean coast. I fell in love with an American person, spent some time living there in the Caribbean coast. I made a trip to Europe, um, yeah, Latin America. So all sorts of different places. So this has been now going for three years. And um, yeah, what else uh, can I say? I've really been following my uh, intuition about what's next. Because whenever you go somewhere, you meet people that recommend you to new things, and then you can just like follow that path. So of course, I had some sort of a direction. Yeah, I had this idea of Tanzania, Costa Rica, California, and Japan. I went to California, by the way, an old friend of mine from my fraternity, my soccer team. He published a book called uh, Nazi Billionaires. It's really cool, became a global uh, bestseller. He researched uh, that a lot of companies are still using Nazi money. And as a journalist, he wanted to bring that into awareness because some of these companies are hypocrites. Then he was on a book tour uh, in America. So I went to his book launch in New York and we traveled to California together. So this has been a bit of my journey. Um, um, you also might wonder how did you fund this trip? Um, I have been lucky that I, let's say three years ago, I sold part of my travel business. Uh, so I had some savings. And then I also made an agreement with employees that they would buy part of my shares. So I also had a monthly uh, passive income. And then next to that, I've done some training, uh, coaching and consulting. I've been doing some work with the Impact Hub. And I, I, yeah, I always have a few private uh, clients. So this has been my funding model. Of course, my life has not been cheap, uh, but it also has not been super expensive. You know, it's not like the cheapest life ever. I mean, if you live in a fan and you stay in one place, let's say in Southern Portugal, it's cheaper. But it's also, my life has also not been incredibly expensive because I've been staying in yeah, cheaper countries. So what are the pros and the cons of the nomad life uh, from my perspective? So pro, of course, is freedom. You have a lot of freedom because in your normal life or in a sedentary life, you have a lot of birthday parties and social things. But when you leave that away, you have a lot of freedom and flexibility. 
Adventure, of course, is a great benefit. You never know what happens. Expanding horizons. So I've met people from all sorts of cultures and backgrounds. So my perspective on life or my perspective on what is normal in life has shifted. Uh, so you expand your horizons, you broaden your, your horizons. For me, of course, it has been a pro that I've, I've made big shifts in my habits. So I've been, uh, I quit nail biting. I've been alcohol free for nearly two years. So I've, I feel I've really built a strong foundation in myself and also allow me uh, to have this lifestyle. So that's really a habit for me. I really let go of, let's say, this habit to drink every week that was so common in my you know, in my environment in, in Netherlands. Um, yeah, so the people you meet and also, you know, for me, life is this, this short adventure that we have. I mean, the first 20 years, your parents more or less decide what you do. The last 20 years or 10, 20 years, maybe you're not so much in good health. So you only have a few decades, let's say between your 20 and 60, uh, what I call, let's say the window of opportunity to follow your, your dreams. And out of these four decades, you know, why, why don't you spend a few years living a, a nomad life and uh, yeah, exploring the boundaries of life and exploring what life has to offer uh, when you get out of this sedentary, uh, let's say, culture. I might switch back to sedentary later. So the, in this episode, I don't want to criticize uh, sedentarism or people that live a sedentary life, but I can highly recommend uh, to live a nomadic lifestyle for a while. What are the cons? So because you're more on the move, for me, it's more difficult to have a daily routine, let's say a morning practice. Of course, you could do it, but for, more, for me, it's more difficult because you're always on the move. Then there's a question about where do I belong? Because I've been living in different communities. I left the Netherlands, so yeah, I don't really belong there anymore. But then where do I belong? So that is a question that's sometimes arising. So how I've solved this is I stay in touch with my family and friends, and I'm also creating a community. So with Soul Kitchen, sometimes because I feel lonely, a wise person once told me, give what you need. So instead of being a victim, oh, I'm lonely, I'm creating a community also for other people to make sure that other people are, uh, are less lonely. Then a con can be judgment uh, because <clears throat> in my previous life, with family and friends, of course, you have certain routines. And when you let go of that, uh, you can face certain judgments from people, maybe because they're disappointed that you left them or they have to adjust to your new lifestyle or they think that you will turn back. So yeah, you have to face uh, certain questions and uh, deal with it and learn to let it go. Overall, there's definitely pros and cons. So I don't want to say everything is a pro. For me, I'm really happy uh, that I experimented with this lifestyle. And um, after three years, I got a bit tired. Um, so recently, I rented a place with two friends, with Arthur and Olivier, uh, called Tres Banderas. It's a co-living sanctuary for entrepreneurs, teachers, and visionaries. And in the coming year, I want to have what I call a semi-nomadic lifestyle. So let's say 50% of the time I envision to spend in Portugal, and 50% of the time I envision to spend in, in other places. And it gives me a great feeling to have this home to turn back to. So definitely after three years, I got a bit tired of the purely nomadic lifestyle. Recently in Antarctica, I met people that have been nomadic for 10 years, which is kind of crazy, right? But yeah, everyone is uh, different.
Then a few tips and tricks for you. If you want to be a nomad first, I would say really define why you want to become a nomad, define the purpose. Two, I think it could be cool to pick a few geographies and a few themes like Elizabeth Gilbert has done, but also like I have done, you know, like healing in Tanzania, um, living in the jungle in Costa Rica, innovation in America, um, communication, you know, be clear, communicate with your family and friends that you change your lifestyle. So you manage expectations Then money. Of course, you need to find a funding model. So either you work remote or first you create some savings or maybe you have bitcoins. I don't know how you do it, but you need to think about it. If you're running out of money, you can also do volunteering. So for instance, at Engsbeka, I did a one month volunteering gig uh, where I was a dishwasher. And this can also be a cool experience. And then another tip and trick is let go of judgment. Maybe some people will judge you. And then, yeah, you have to learn uh, to, uh, yeah, to deal with it. Well, we come to the last part of this episode, a few lessons learned. So first of all, I learned to let go of certain social conventions. And I realized that they're really conventions because this is how we do it, but not the only way to do it. And by meeting people from all over the planet, I also started to question certain conventions. You know, we come from a certain religion, we come from a certain belief system. So I started to, to question certain conventions. And um, for instance, by liberating yourself from all the birthday parties, yeah, you also have a lot of uh, new freedom to explore other hobbies and other things. Then the second lesson I've learned is to let go of my identity and to let go of someone that always goes to networking things. I mean, I still network at conferences, etc. but not to be someone that is always active in one community, but because I'm moving around, um, yeah, I also let go of that identity that I need to know everyone in a certain place. And I, what I really loved in Costa Rica is to meet people, not talk about my work, just talk about life. And of course, if they would ask, I will tell about this. But I really like to be, let's say, uh, nobody in a new place. And then the third lesson, yeah, you get a lot of inspiration when you live in Nomad because you meet so many different people. But you can also inspire others. Sometimes people reach out to me. They dream of a more a freer, more meaningful, more intentional lifestyle. And then sometimes they ask me, oh, how did you do it? I would love to do that as well. So yeah, you might also inspire some, some around you to make intentional choices. My goal is not that people copy me, but maybe you can find some inspiration from this uh, episode. Okay, this was the episode of Living a Nomadic Life. Um, I think I will uh, create a next one on the path of sobriety, which is an important uh, topic for me as well. And um, yeah, thank you very much for listening. I hope to see you in uh, Portugal, where I'm hosting retreats, as you know. But I also recently started this co-living project. If you want to live with us, we require a minimum commitment of one month. And uh, yeah, it would be super nice to, to live with you. So uh, see you soon and uh, ciao for now.